0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Let's dive in. I am your host, Ryan Laudermilk. I've been working at Microsoft for over a decade. My most recent focus is OKR software, such as Viva Goals and OKR methodologies. Joining me today is Spencer Paisley. He also works at Microsoft, and we are going to be talking about committed versus aspirational. Committed goals. Versus aspirational goals. I guess it must be said Spencer that Viva Goals supports both and I want to just kind of have a dialogue About is one better than the other? Um, Do does one describe OKRs better than the other? I don't know, but let's go to you your first thoughts on Committed versus aspirational and before actually before I do that. I wonder would it be helpful for like a useful definition? And let's just see if we even agree on the definition
1: That's actually where I wanted to start. Yeah, so okay, good.
0: Give me your definition. Let's do that.
1: I actually like to so committed. I think is fairly straightforward, right? We're committing to a specific, in most cases, number that we are working to achieve, and really the way that that I perceive that is, we are going to do absolutely everything in our power to achieve that number that we have committed to in our key result most of the time, and it's essentially not always acceptable to get anything less than the committed number, right? So we've really got to get to that. We've committed to it, right? Like like anything you would commit to in life, you've made a dedication to actually following through and achieving something. Now, on the flip side, uh, we've got the aspirational side of things. And I actually even think of the word aspirational and I, I don't always love it because it sort of signifies, hey, we're aspiring to do something, but we don't necessarily see it as a possibility within the scope of what it is we're actually going to achieve. And so I was actually working with um, one of our customers on Viva Goals recently, and and they had repositioned the two phrases a little bit differently that I'm going to throw out there. Um, And the two phrases that they use were Number one, they weren't actually specifically defining committed, so this was a little bit on the the side of aspirational side of things, but they looked at it using two words. We're looking for something in between most probable and best possible, right? And I think a lot of folks, when they actually approach goal setting, are looking at setting a objective or key result that initially is trying to hit that most probable number, right? The number that I'm most comfortable with, actually going to achieve. And then I can say 95% of the time, I'm pretty darn confident that I'm going to achieve it. But their push was to say, okay, we want you to think in the context of best possible right? Best possible may be the complete opposite of that. There's only a 5 to maybe 1% chance that we're actually going to achieve the best possible scenario. But if we take that notion of aspiration, we move beyond most probable and we start to move towards best possible, we can actually aspire to achieve something that is far greater than what we would have achieved if we stayed at the committed level or we stayed at the most probable level. So I like to use those two terms, especially when talking about aspiration, excuse me, aspiration, because I think they do a better job at articulating what we're trying to get to here, right? It's somewhere between most probable and best possible. Hmm.
0: One of the things that we said before we even started this pod was it was going to actually be a real conversation. Uh, Spencer and I have not talked at all this week. Like we haven't, we're not leading the witness here. We're actually having a live dialogue. Um, This is interesting to me. This is interesting to me. I want to, when you think about best possible, I don't know if I struggle or love it. I, I, I don't know because it's like, okay, well then I'd have to define that. I mean, I think that's fair, right? We have to define best possible. And the first kind of things that come to mind for me is, like, best possible, the first thing I gravitate towards is, like, considering your people. Like, what's the best possible outcome for them, right? In other words, this begets the idea of, like, number one, let's not burn our people out, right? Like, we're aspiring to land on the moon. We're going to lose some people on the way. And you're like, okay, well, let's back that off a bit. Maybe we don't want anybody to necessarily die on this mission, uh, you know, at any given company or organization. So when I think about best possible, the first thing is like, okay, what's best by our people? The next thing is like, what's best by the company, our shareholders? What do we owe them? Is that what you got the sense that they were kind of playing around with? Or did they come up with something different best possible? And again, this is like a live conversation. I don't know. I'm asking. I'm trying to learn.
1: I, I think you're, you're right on point with what their thinking was as well, which is it's best possible in the context of where we are, who we are and what we can do, right? The best possible scenario, right, might be getting to Mars in two years, right? But knowing our people, knowing our technology, hey, is that realistic for us? Probably not. And so I think when, when folks think about this notion of what's best possible and how do I turn that into an aspirational OKR, you really, it's not as simple as it might seem at the face of things, right? You, you do have to think in the context of the people you're working with, the types of skills you have, and what's happened in the past as well, right? I think that that's a very important factor when you're setting either a committed or an aspirational OKR, is actually having an understanding of what's happened in the past so that you can actually make a, a target that is going to be rooted in some sense of reality, right? Because folks mm-hmm. could look at the best possible element here, and I'm glad you're, you're pushing on this. Folks can look at the best possible and say, well, I'm going to go for best possible no matter if it's actually rooted in reality or not, which is not what you want to do, because to your point, there is a toll on any organization, both from a committed and an aspirational sense. And I'd love to talk about that here in a couple more minutes around the effect it's going to have on your people depending on how aspirational you go or how hard you focus on the committed side of things.
0: Yeah, it's good. I, I, I think I pasted this over to you. I think maybe last week when I said, hey, this is a topic I want to talk about. And I literally had like maybe maybe two or three bullets is kind of how I was thinking about it. Committed goals. And I think you said this again is they're hard, but achievable. I think you'd agree with that, right? Committed goals are hard maybe let's throw the word very, like very hard, but achievable to your point, committed goals are based in reality. But you also said they must be achieved. And that's kind of the heart of committed. To me, honestly, it's like a scorecard. Uh, many of you may not be familiar with that, te- uh, that term, a scorecard, so- or something here at Microsoft that we used for quite a long time, which is this idea of, it's like a quota. It's, here's a hard number. Uh, we believe it to be hard but achievable and we expect you to get to it and so what you'll often see in Viva Goals is this idea of let's get to 100% and everybody's very like comfortable with that hey we're green we got to hundred percent sometimes uh, despite you know how we were able to get there right nonetheless we turned it green that's a very common term that you'll hear under a sort of a scorecard methodology when I think about aspirational I think about a couple of things. First of all, we always say this, they're moonshots. Um, They push and challenge our teams. But this is what I like the most. By design, they exceed our team's current abilities. Out of everything about aspirational, this is the part I gravitate towards the most. And I'll tell you why. It's because it has in its core focus the team, the people. All right, we've talked about this before on this show that, that OKRs are the most loving and thoughtful thing you can do to those you're leading because what you're doing is you're doing all the hard work to tell them what's the most meaningful work that they can contribute to. And by default, if they contribute to that work, they would hopefully have the most fulfillment because they're working on stuff that matters most. And I think what's really cool about aspirational is as a leader, um, perhaps you have 10 people on your team. And you're looking at that team and perhaps it's a mix. Maybe you've got some folks that are just out of college and this is their first job. Uh, maybe you've got some folks who maybe have been there for five years. And then you've got some sort of veterans, people who have been there for 15 or 20. And you look across your team and go, what exceeds our current, our team's current abilities? What can we aspire to? How can I help this team grow? How can I help them reach, stretch past what they're comfortable with? And the last thing I'd say is... is something that's antithetical to that would be sort of committed where it's like, well, this team in uh, in times past has put up 100. Um, Technically, for this cycle, I only need 100. So I'm going to set the goal to 125. That way they'll get to 100. It's like, in a lot of ways, that's sort of skeevy. It's like, I don't technically need 100. Already, I'm starting off this relationship with a lie. I don't technically need 100, I need, but I'm gonna put it at 125. And, and it's it's one of these things where you don't really have the team's thought in mind. Does it succeed our current abilities? Am I stretching? Am I helping people grow? I'm just needing them to hit a number. Do you feel like those definitions are helpful? Committed, they're hard, but achievable, but they must be achieved. And then aspirational, moonshots, push and challenge our teams. And they exceed our team's current abilities. Do
1: you think those are helpful? I do think that they are helpful. And I you, you keyed in on a point on the committed side of things that I see more often than not, which is folks sandbag the the committed key results, right? This notion of you must achieve it inevitably leads to folks hitting things that they know that they will be able to achieve. And that frankly aren't always that hard. Like there's a, there's a a difficult balance between the definition you provided for committed, which is they're supposed to be hard, but we also have to achieve them. And the innate human instinct is to say, well, screw the hard part. I'm supposed to achieve this. So I'm just going to make it, you know, something that I can actually achieve, which is, is why I actually personally, you know, to get on the topic of which one's better. I don't love committed OKRs. I think committed OKRs have a time and a place, especially for a business that is struggling, right? If your business is struggling and you're using the OKR framework and, for example, you need to hit specific numbers to get your next round of funding or to ensure, you know, to appease shareholders, right? There's a variety of reasons as to why that could be the case. But if you have to hit some numbers or there are going to be some consequences that uh, realm into the dire or extremely negative realm, then I think committed OKRs are absolutely applicable. Um, And the the other thing that I would add just on the the aspirational side is you do have to be careful with aspirational OKRs in the same way that you are with committed. And the reason being is even though we're going for moonshots, I'm going to bring it back to what I said earlier. I always want to make sure that they're rooted in reality because even if your team is progressing and making leaps and bounds, if the expectations are leaps and bounds beyond what you already have achieved, it still doesn't feel good, right? It's it's always a matter of perception. And so... Even if you are going, right, I'll go back to my sort of most probable versus best possible. Even if you're getting really close to best possible, but you've set an aspirational OKR that is far beyond what is actually possible, you're going to look at a score of 0.5 or 0.6 when doing your grading. And, you know, all of us are accustomed to always trying to get to 100%, like you mentioned earlier. And I'm going to look at that and go, I'm getting Fs and Ds across the board, right? What's happening here? And so... Each of them has a little bit more nuance applied, but um, they they can be challenging. I, I like to to lend myself a little more towards the aspirational side of things. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say before I mention or I pass it back over to you is you need to have some inspiration behind what it is you're achieving and oftentimes Mm. committed okrs don't do a great job of actually inspiring people right Um, you you think about any goals that you might have set in your personal life before and the ones that you didn't achieve you probably didn't have a lot of inspiration behind them and the ones that you did achieve you probably had a lot more meaning and a lot more inspiration as to what was going to change or why you were doing them in the first place. And I just don't think a committed OKR does a great job the majority of the time of actually inspiring the team to get things done, right? Even even if you're saying, hey, look, our business might be shut down unless we you know, achieve this committed key result, that positioning doesn't always inspire. If anything, it scares people. And they say, you know what? I'm not going to focus on this. I'm going to run for the hills and find myself a new role. And so the the inspiration side of aspirational OKRs, I think, is a really, really critical component because, you know, meaning is everything. If you're at all tuned in with the overall, um, you know, notion around employee experience, which is what part of, you know, what Viva Goals is part of as part of this Viva Suite is... Meaning at work really matters much, much more than stability or security does like it like it has in the past. And so yeah, critical, critical piece. It's
0: so good. I um you know, one of the examples we use, first of all, spot on. I I think as a coach, I, I have a, a bias. I mean, I, I wanna be on the aspirational side. That's the kind of stuff that fires me up. Um, it leans to some of my strengths of being able to galvanize people and to to root them on and to encourage them to, to stretch. Right. And, and um, so I I agree. I I, committed doesn't fire me up as much, but to your point uh, it does. If my livelihood is at stake, (laughs) it's like all of a sudden I'm, I'm very locked in. Tell me what we need to do. Uh, So I love that. And I love, I, 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 you didn't say this, but I, I think it's kind of a point worth throwing out, which is like committed, maybe sort of antithetical to inspiration. It doesn't mean it's completely void of it. But aspirational certainly is there. And one of the things that we say about aspirational is, listen, you have to look um, at your folks. In fact, I just wrote an article on this um, on the Little OKR newsletter. So if you head over there, the Little OKR and uh, something I'm calling the, the OKR Leadership Triangle. So um, with, we're doing this over audio, so we don't have an image, but all of us know what a triangle looks like. So we're, we're a good spot at the top of that triangle are people and the pursuit People and pursuit. Great leaders know the strengths and weaknesses of their people. They're intimately familiar with their people. And they are so with their pursuit. They understand its trends. They understand its seasonalities. They, they know what they can expect. So great leaders know that. If you go down to the bottom right of the triangle, um, they're able to strive for perfection. I don't necessarily love that word, but it does conjure up the, the standard, right? They're shooting for perfection. Great leaders know that perfection will always elude them. And that perfection um, usually happens, uh, Spencer. When a couple of things go our way, right? In order to win a Super Bowl, you need a couple of games that have a weird call where it kind of goes your way, and of course everyone's like, "That wasn't pass interference," and it's like, "Well, it was it? Was it not?" But you need a couple of things to go your way, right? Um, and so, but that doesn't mean you don't strive for perfection to win the Super Bowl. And then finally, the other, the last leg of that is present, staying in the present. Great leaders have this innate ability to say. I know things are crumbling around us, but we've got to stay focused this week, and then the next week is the next week, and you'll hear this of great NFL head coaches, right, they'll say, uh, they, they, they just lost the game, and what do they always say, we're already focused on the next team, right, like, they're, they're no longer focused on the team that they just lost to, but they're already now focusing on that next team, and so, if, yeah, if you want to read that article, it's great, okay, OKR leadership, go, go out there, and I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that, which is cool. Um, But we like to say about Aspirational, you cannot sign your team up. No head coach walks in and goes, our goal for this year is to win two Super Bowls. And everyone's like, what what is this guy, mad? Like, there's only one to win. Yeah, 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 I know, but we're we're doing a moonshot here. This is something that no team has ever done, obviously, because it's impossible. But to your point, right, like, Aspirational doesn't just give you this, like, creative license to go, I'm literally just going to write anything. And now all of us are inspired, let's go, right? It has to be baked in reality.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And the thing that I was thinking about as um, you talked about striving for perfection, Um, another way that I I thought about it in terms of what an aspirational OKR can do for you is kind of give folks the ability to dream a little bit, right, and you said it very well, our dreams need to be rooted back into reality and we need to manage them on a week over week, month over month basis around what our focal point is then and there to use your your Super Bowl reference, the next game, right? But at the beginning of the season, I'm assuming the head coach painted a pretty nice picture of what their dream could be like to be Super Bowl champions at the end of the season. And so um, that is something that aspirational OKRs give you a little bit more of the liberty to do is to dream a little bit, right? Think a little outside the confines of what we have to do and move into the confines of what we could do if we were truly great. And again, it it links back to the inspiration side of things, right? A a locker room full of, you know, NFL professionals is not going to be as fired up. If you're saying, look, well, they might be a little bit. If you say, look, if we don't win the next game, we're not going to be a team anymore. That might go on the further end of the spectrum to, to inspire folks. But, You know they've they've got to do a good job of painting of making them care right of making them care and buying into that dream that they've set
0: yeah it's great gosh there's something i wanted to say there it's a bit of a side point so hopefully this is valuable to the listener but this idea that when we focus great leaders stay in the present like you're saying week after week month after month um is this ability to uh Again, just focus on what's important now, right? Great leaders always ask that, like, what's important now? What do we need to do now uh, sort of versus getting sidetracked? I wanted to go back to a point you made around aspirational that we have to be careful about. Lest we sort of, again, paint these in like this is the only way to go is morale. Um, I I know that as a coach, I, I had one particular cycle where, and again, this team was just learning, as was I, around aspirational and why do you set that post and where do you go? Um, and um, a lot of people ended up going, man, I wrote a really bad KR. The framework supports this, by the way. You are going to write really bad KRs. And, uh, and the way you're going to see that is the behavior will come out and you go, wow, I didn't really want that behavior. I wrote that wrong. But this idea where when you set a goal that isn't based in reality, what we saw was just morale took a huge dip, right? In other words, you, you know, they're, they're about six weeks in, they'll notice we actually had no shot of actually getting to this. Um, and I think that's sort of maybe the dark side of aspirational, right. Is when the leader isn't rooted in reality.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, it it's happened to me. We, it, we talked in the last episode that we did together where I had a, or I have, I guess, uh, a very aspirational, I guess in my case, just a key results around, uh, trying to, to get a hundred days of skiing this last season and, you know, I have done it before, so I was like, okay, it's rooted in some reality. I can do it again. I live in a small ski town. I can scramble after work and get up there real fast. But um, it's what I didn't quite realize was that my times and situations have changed. When I did it the first time, I wasn't working during the day. I was just working at night. I had quite a bit more free time. It was all I was focusing on. And now my my situation has changed quite a few years later, and I went for the exact same goal again, but it had a much different effect on my morale. I really stopped enjoying it. And I've since uh, actually changed that key result to bring it down from a hundred days. Um, and, and the effect it had on my morale really was a, a big part of it because it was creeping into my personal life where it was enjoying time with my significant other when she wanted to go skiing and I wasn't enjoying it. Right. I wasn't, I was just going through the motions and it wasn't as meaningful or valuable as it was before. And the same thing can happen to folks across an an organization where you are going for something that is so aspirational that you really don't feel like you're making any impact or effect on what it is you're moving towards. And you just look back and you think about yourself and you sort of challenge your own identity in the workplace and say, is what I'm doing having any effect, right? Do I have... Does does what I'm doing have any sort of meaning? Doesn't matter whatsoever. And if you find yourself in that sort of situation, you went a little too far on the uh, the aspirational side of things, and it's absolutely okay in the middle of a quarter, in the middle of a semester, to go. You know what? We shot a little bit beyond the moon, right? Let's bring it back down into something that's a little bit more realistic. Because you know the the thing that I always remind folks when they're setting key results, when I'm coaching them through the creation of OKRs, is the key results that you set are going to have an effect on everybody's behavior, right? And if you set something that's too easy, folks aren't really going to push very hard. They're going to go, oh, I've got that in the bag. That's no problem. If you set things that are too hard, folks are going to sitting, you know, sit there at their desk, just worrying all day long, how are we going to achieve this? How am I going to get it done? And if they're not even close by the end, they're going to say, hey, that was all for nothing, right? So you really have to to start to fine tune as you go along and you'll figure out what, what is right or, or what is right, sort of the, the sweet spot for you to hit. But the morale effect, I don't think everybody realizes all the time, um, but, but really has a, a big impact. Because what are you without right, a good attitude? <laughs> I, you know, when I think,
0: I had an IC say this, and sorry, IC is like a term that we use for individual contributor at Microsoft, a person. Uh, said this to me, not a manager, um, you know, your reward for crushing your OKRs is more OKRs. And I was like, wow, like it just really hit me. I was like, that, that's so depressing. And I think you, th- this OKRs are not a silver bullet. We've said that on this show before. Like if you've got a bad culture, OKRs are not going to fix it. Uh, if you have a lack of sort of leadership and wisdom on your leadership team, okay, are not going to fix that. Um, and so it's one of these things where you really do have to, you really have to get back to that leadership triangle where it's like you, you balance, you're balancing all three of those things to make sure that you're being a great leader and great leaders, just like great coaches know how to get the best out of their folks, not for the results and the outcome only, but for the people. We hire really smart and talented folks around here at Microsoft and they want to be challenged and they want to be valued. And their their work needs to have meaning like anybody else uh, would in any organization. Um, And that's important. And so, you know, when you choose to go this aspirational route, there's going to be a learning curve. What's sort of the next thing was, what is the practical manifestation under sort of this aspirational mindset? Because for some people, they might be listening right now going, yeah, we can't do that. We can't do that at the company that I'm working for. And I'm going to say I disagree because I think that you can rally people around um, stretching and going places that they've never go- gone before. And it helps in hopes to grow their career, to make them a better human, like whatever it may be. Um, but the practical manifestation of this, like for instance, when you shoot over, um, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn about your people um, and what works and what doesn't work. And they're going to give you feedback and saying, we're pushing too hard. This is not sustainable. All of that is great feedback. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about next is you kind of alluded to it, a little bit of scoring. In a committed in a committed sort of environment, really it's, it's 1.0, isn't it? It's 1.0. It's 100%. Anything less than that is like, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, well, why haven't you achieved it? In the aspirational I personally like to see more point threes and more point sevens that's what I'm looking for right and what I like to say to my folks is if you turn a 1.0 if you turn a hundred percent two things have happened it's really binary in my mind number one you have hit like four grand slams in one game. Let's just keep using sports analogies and that way we'll alienate like 75% of our audience. You've hit four grand slams. You've scored, you know, 20 soccer goals in one game. You have scored, I don't know, you know, 17 touchdowns in one game. And everyone's going to want to hear something went your way, something fell in your lap, you hit gold accidentally, you came up with some sort of new innovative idea. What is it? And you better have an answer. You better have an answer because otherwise, um, you're on sandbag alert, right? In other words, you're like, you set an easy target. You guys are, and now you're going to trumpet around the org as if look at us, we got to hundred percent. Everyone's like, that really wasn't that hard. Or number two, the result is, is you didn't really do a good job as a leader because you didn't look at your people and weren't familiar with your pursuit. You didn't strive for perfection and maybe you weren't able to stay in the present that's usually not normally the truth, the, the case, though. Usually people have enough discipline and rigor week after week. But it's really that perfection. You didn't dial it in right. You're meant to dial it in right at around 11 or 12, right? And and, know, and not knowing, oh, we're just going to come in on a point center point. You're shooting for 1.0s and hitting, but something's got to go your way. Something's got to break, break your way. You can't just slide in to 100%. And for me, 0.3s and 0.4s, some great learnings. Point 0.3 over three cycles that's a that's a performance question right like you've done this now like three times in a row but i'm wanting wanting to see more 0.5s 0.6s 0.7s your thoughts on on that
1: yeah so i would say first off i completely agree with you in, in terms of if you're hitting 1.0s on all of your aspirational okrs you better be having a incredible streak of luck combined right. with capability and ability right and, and it's okay to have one right i'm not saying that they are completely unrealistic but um they sh- they should be the exception far more than the rule if you truly are trying to embody what an, an aspirational okr is focused on um i actually i really like to see a mix like the the when i work with a team that is really looking to fine-tune their use of okrs and they're using them in an aspirational way I like to see a mix of things across the board. And and that's both from a morale perspective, because again, I'm gonna go back to my school analogy. It doesn't feel good ever to just get D's and F's. And in the Viva tool, it's gonna show up as red, right? It's not, unfortunately, red does not always have the best connotation when it comes to status (laughs) and and scoring. But um, yeah, I I typically like to see a mix, right? So if I see someone that has, let's say across four key results, they've got a 0.7, a 0.6, and then maybe a point three and a point four, right? I, th- I find that to be a very interesting mix and one that I like to see, which is to say, hey, we we did do pretty well in some areas of the business, but we didn't do quite as well on the other side of things. And when you get down to those point threes and point fours, you know, that's where, and I don't think I've ever said it on this podcast, but that's where I think the retrospective conversation, at least for me, I feel is the most important part of the OKR process. It's the m- one that is skipped the most often, but it is the most important part because when you hit a point 3 or a point 4, there should be some really valuable learnings for you that you can then transition into the next quarter to get yourself back to a point 6 or a point 7, right? One of those learnings might be what our more appropriate target should have been, but more importantly, those learnings should be about what didn't work, right? What didn't work combined with what potentially had some promise in terms of working in the future. So you can shift the set of activities, you're actually going to perform to then go ahead and, and make that key result greater. I don't, to, you know, to your other point, I don't like seeing point threes for four quarters across the board, right? That means you're, you're not learning, you're not trying, you're not experimenting, but, um, Having those low scores is, is absolutely okay. I just love to see that mix because I'm always a little conscientious of, uh, of that good old morale across the team.
0: Yeah, that's good. No, I, the reflect and reset, to your point, that comes at the end of every cycle. So we reflect, we um, you know, purposely choose to, to, to meditate, uh, not how most of us understand meditation, which is to clear your mind. Now, this is actually to fill your mind, fill your mind, proper meditation, fill your mind with the last 12 weeks what went well? What didn't go well? I just led our team. Uh, We have 16 teams. I just led our team through that. So we're at the end of Q3, at the end of our third cycle. And we reflected. Um, And everybody writes in their final score. They write in their learning. And then we have a little something that I lead our team through called a leadership truth. And that's meant to be no more than sort of six words. Uh, things like why matters, or um, things like that, that they've learned that, that will change their trajectory as a leader. If you'd like to see what makes good for a good reflect and reset, um, I've got that um, at the, the okay com. If you just look that up, there's what makes good, you know, what makes a great reflect and reset. And um, you're absolutely spot on. Like, it's really hard to do these. I mean, I will say the more you do it, the better you will get at it. But it it is really hard. It it will make your brain sweat having to go back and think on the last 12 weeks, what went well here? What didn't go well? And then actually taking the time to write it. A good leadership truth, you know, six words or no, to to be able to distill something down. um, That could take hours. It really could take hours, but it's worth spending the time to reflect on it because um, every once in a while, you will get a leadership truth um, that... um, changes your trajectory as you as a leader, where you go, you know what, from now on, when, and we had this happen, one of our leaders, um, we have what's called disclosure week. So as we end a cycle, the very first week in a cycle, we call that disclosure week. And that's when all the managers will disclose their OKRs. For the most part, people have already gotten a peek because OKRs are by default, you know, public and transparent, but it's really a time, um, for the teams to get around and kind of talk about what they're going to be doing for the next 12 weeks. And when we were first doing this, as you would, would guess, Spencer, like it was a lot about the what. Like what are the OKRs, right? And so they would distribute them out and go, here's the what. And OK, cool. But what, what we've learned is that why matters. So we really go, here they are. Like, the what now happens like split second because it's just a you go into the software and you go, here they are. That's, this is what they are. But now let's talk about the why. And why now? I had a great leader tell me that this morning that she not only includes like the why, but she says why now, and that kind of gets back to again our our leadership triangle, staying in the present and staying in the now. Why does why do we need to do this now? And that has turned out Spencer to be massively powerful for the people on our teams because now they understand like there's a method to the madness. So you're not just asking me to do these these things, but they're they're steeped in some really creative deep thought. Here's why. And then the last thing we do in Disclosure Week, and we've gotta get here fast, is the how. How are we going to do this? Let's not navel-gaze and pontificate on the what and the why for weeks on end. And so ideally what I tell my teams is like, Disclosure Week starts on a Monday, and I really hope that you're having one-on-one conversations or as a team by like Wednesday of that week on the how. How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna get this done? And then slide in onto your midline check-ins, right? Every week, 15 minutes. Um, how are we doing on this and how are we progressing? Um, but to your point, um, all that stuff has to happen um, as we look to make sure that we're controlling morale and leading well, et cetera. Any final thoughts as you take us out?
1: One last thing that came to mind for me was part of in the notion of aspirational OKRs, part of the cultural mindset that I think is really really important is is checking your ego at the door right what what a cliche statement but I think it is so so important because you're not going to achieve everything number one right you're going to have some of those point threes those point fours those point fives those f's and d's right but if you're able to, to take your ego out of it, especially if you were the one who was the key result owner and try to think objectively about what went well, what didn't go so well and what you're going to change in, into the future, you can set number one, a phenomenal cultural precedent for the rest of your organization for people to follow. But additionally, you can actually spur some really, really great ideas and be open to change, right? One of the the biggest blunders that I've I've observed some leaders make is letting their ego take over and trying to justify why things didn't go well and not being open to new ideas instead of just being honest with themselves around objectively what potentially didn't go so well. And you know who's the who it's the easiest to, to hear from, at least in my opinion, when things don't go well, it's from yourself, right? I think it feels a lot better if you can tell yourself what didn't go so well than it is to maybe hear another colleague tell that to you and try to present it, you know, in, in a way that is is not going to make you feel bad, right? So um, really making sure that you don't bring the ego into these conversations and you think about the best case for the team um, really, really is important because... Everything that that folks do as leaders is going to affect morale, it's going to inspire or uninspire people, and being an an open and honest person who can look at themselves objectively and just perform for the betterment of everybody, um, I think is, is really, really critical.
0: That's a great final thought. Committed versus aspirational, more could be said. Plenty of ink will be spilled. Uh, but nonetheless, Spencer, thank you for stopping by and, and having a chat with me about it. If you like the sound of this podcast, if you want more of it, you can uh, find it wherever you get your pods. Um, if you'd like some more of this content, please feel free to subscribe to the newsletter, thelittleokrnewsletter.com. Okay Listener, you can spend your time however you choose. Thank you for spending a little bit of a, with us. For Spencer and I, we want to thank you for that. And we will see you next time. Thank you, everyone.
1: Thank you.